0: The future of fitness is here. Be a part of it. NASM's new virtual coaching course will equip you with the skills, tools, and strategies necessary to launch, operate, or transition your current fitness or wellness business to a successful virtual coaching business. As a virtual coaching specialist, you'll open yourself to a whole new world of opportunities. Being able to help clients from around the world, anywhere, and anytime. It's the ultimate flexibility as a trainer while also
1: creating new revenue streams. Start the next phase of your training career with NASM's Virtual Coaching Specialization. Sign up today at nasm.org or call 1-800-460-6276. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Marty Miller here with my great friend Miss Wendy Batts. But Wendy, this week I'm not going to forget about our amazing producer Greg. So obviously, we got a guy in the back here, Greg, who keeps us going, who makes us look as good as you know as he does. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we're not alone in this. We got Greg here with us.
0: Yes, definitely. We owe him a ton of kudos for sure.
1: And I'm going to get better every week. I'm going to make sure I mention Greg. Without him out here. So awesome, buddy! How are you doing today?
0: I am fantastic. How are you?
1: Excellent. Well, I'm excited. It's part three of the burpees. So I remember when we started talking about this, we're like, is this a one? Is this four? Is it six? And I think we landed right <laughs> on three. And I think we're getting, you know, everyone's excited, getting great feedback. So here we are, part three, if you can believe it already. You know, and now we're going to get more into the program design element of burpees.
0: Yes. I mean, I think you know, when you look at the series, and we are gonna reiterate this from from the start, it's super important that you go back and watch part one and then part two, and then hopefully join us again for this entire hour or so, um, because the program design is kind of putting it all together. So we talked about how to evaluate, um, you know, well, the, the anatomy that's involved in a burpee, people's mindset that it's like this negative exercise, which is actually really a great exercise when performed correctly how to identify when somebody should or shouldn't do it. And then I think now we can really look at burpees throughout the entire OPT model and kind of give hopefully some good feedback and ideas of how do you program a burpee the right way, utilizing, you know, utilizing it in all five steps of the model.
1: And you can use the process that we did to break down the burpee for like fill in the blank. You know, we're going to talk about other exercises down the line. We're already looking at our next series. You know, we're going to have some other cool topics in between, but we're going to go through the same process, whether you give us a burpee or other exercises, we're going to go through the anatomy. We're going to go through what happens with the kinetic chain checkpoints. We're going to go through the compensations, and then we're going to reverse engineer the exercise so we can start building towards that. And then we're going to blend it right back in with the phases of training. So don't think that this is the only strategy that we do this with. This is how we do all of our strategies.
0: And I think that's what kind of separates us from other trainers and other organizations is because it is a very strategic process and building someone up to certain exercises. And to your point, Marty, you can use the same process and hopefully you are using the same process when designing programs that are going to be very individualized for your clients. And we can't stress that enough because I know you've heard us say multiple times, assessments, 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 but Without an assessment, you really don't have a blueprint. So when you're talking about program design, which is what we're talking about today, people are saying, well, burpees are bad because it's hard on your joints and hard on your ligaments and hard on your muscles. And and yes, if if it's not right for your client, then you should not have the client do it at that point. But you can work yourself up to a burpee and hopefully after watching all three Um, three series, you guys will feel more comfortable with utilizing the burpee, which again is a multi-joint, very dynamic type exercise, but just programming it the right way, I mean, makes all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah. And just to reiterate for any of them that's jumping into this third part, we did address all of those, you know, big myths with burpees. So if you're joining us here, we've kind of checked all those boxes and broken it down to where people can progress Towards burpees, and they've earned the right to get there. So that's where. When he made a great point of making sure you go back, because you know, if you're looking at this one and you're you know thinking, wait a minute, I thought burpees were really challenging, difficult. We've already kind of cleared that to get to this.
0: Yes, and you know, people ask all the time, and this is something that we've said in all three of our webinars what kind of exercise is a burpee? and the answer to that is well what kind of exercise do you want it to be? i mean you can use it as conditioning and then if you just totally break down the burpee and you think of all the different exercises that make up a burpee and and we're going to show you that again in a program um then then you can can look at it everything that you're doing like whether it's a push up or whether you're doing an overhead press those are components of a burpee and so if somebody can do those without compensation without sacrificing their form then why wouldn't you have someone do it if if it fits within their program and you know that they're gonna be able to successfully do it?
1: Yep, absolutely, it's just the key thing is it doesn't make sense, right? And that again goes for every single choice that you make throughout every program, every client is, are you putting them in a, a opportunity to succeed at the right time with the right type of exercises?
0: Yes. And that, that kind of brings us into the said principle. Remember, you know, when you think about the said principle, you kind of want to think of it as a very broad way of saying you get what you train for. And so, you know, if you're trying to work yourself up to a burpee, you want to think about the different types of things to consider, which number one would be mechanical. So when you're thinking about mechanical and you're thinking about the mechanical principle within the said principle, you're thinking about the forces to the body, you know, think about gravity. The gravity is going to be your primary you know, source and the primary force that you're dealing with. And there's different forces that are being placed on the body when you're doing this. And so there's stress on the body when you're doing push-up. There's stress on a body when you're doing squats. And even though a burpee is mainly body weight, you got to think about this, that as you add the jump, you're going to increase force. And so you've got to think about all the mechanical stress that's going on throughout your entire body. So what's happening at the elbow, what's happening throughout the entire range of motion, what's happening at all the joints and all the muscles and making sure that it's done correctly. Because remember, when you program your mind, if you have good information in, you're going to get good information out. And, you know, Marty, when you were talking about, you know, you know, the components, basically what you were just saying was the Neuromuscular component of, you know, neuromuscular principle within this and. You know, not to just jump in and talk the entire time, but like when you're thinking about, you know, the neuromuscular recruitment here, you got to think about all the muscles that are involved. And so now you're looking at the movements and then the patterns of those movements. And so, you know, we're we're addressing these patterns within all the supplemental information that we've provided up until this point, like all the different exercises. And if you break down the separate movements and you are really controlling those movements and executing them correctly, you're going to have very good movement patterns throughout a burpee, which then can lead you into the metabolic part. And so when you're thinking metabolic energy systems, you know, you're thinking about this as the conditioning side. And most people just jump into this. And they didn't work themselves up and think about the mechanical forces or the different stresses of the body. And so I think when you're thinking metabolic, this is To me, when I think of that, the most important part of that would be the acute variables. What is the time under tension? What's the speed? What's the reps? You know, because I mean, you gotta think about the energy that you're producing in order to make it happen and the energy that that you're having to maintain in order to execute things correctly. And so the acute variables, in my opinion, play the biggest part on the metabolic side. And so when you put all of that together, you're gonna have an execute a perfect burpee no matter any way that you program it.
1: Yeah. And we've covered this again in the other two, but you know, just to kind of touch on it again is a burpee is, shouldn't be used as a punishment. A burpee is a phenomenal exercise for a lot of people. It may not be for everybody, but probably more people than you may think, because a lot of times burpee is just thrown in as a conditioning tool or a punishment. It's People don't really, unfortunately, sometimes break it down to have they earned the right to be there? What part of the model would it be in? Did I progress them to it? But when you check all those boxes and you look at it, you know, uh, there's a lot going on with a burpee. So there's going to be a metabolic demand. And if that person's not conditioned, we already know that a burpee, there's a lot to do properly to execute the form in the ideal way. Imagine what happens under fatigue if you advance somebody too far, too quick. And now there's all these kinetic chain checkpoints that they need to, you know, some are stabilizing, some are doing things explosively, a, a lot of motion in different body parts. And then all of a sudden, now they're metabolically challenged to a level they're not ready for. How can you expect a good outcome? So it's not the burpee's fault, right? <laughs> it, the burpee didn't cause it. It's the bad use or the bad timing of that exercise. So, like we always say, most exercises are good. There's a couple that we we you know we've talked about that maybe you know aren't the best, but more exercises are good than not. It's when are they used, where they progress too properly? And is it ideally the right thing for that client at that time?
0: Sure. And, you know, to me, I, people ask me all the time, you know, well, how do you know if it's a good exercise for your client? And so my question, you know, the first thing, and I'm sure Marty, you say the same thing. Well, why would you think it's not a good exercise? And if they, if they say, well, you know, the person complains about this, or, you know, it's hard here, or, you know, burpees are going to be hard. And so it is a very, it's a hard exercise because again, it's multi-joint, you know, you're using multi-joints. A lot of muscles are involved. So if an exercise is hard, it doesn't mean it's bad. Like why is it okay to do a leg press where you're feeling like your, your legs and your quads are going to blow up because you've got that burning sensation and you're like, yeah, that's good. But you do a burpee and you feel the same thing in your legs and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's bad. You know, I think it's, it's, if you're programming things correctly and you know that it's not going to be a risk factor for your client, then it should be executed if you want to include it in your program. So we're not saying you have to, but because it has had such a bad rap and people talk so negatively about the burpee, we're hoping now that you guys can look at it in a different light just to say, hey, if you want to do it, just work your way up to it and look at all the benefits it can provide for somebody at, at long term.
1: Yeah. And when you you know, as I say every week, there's always things that you trigger that make (laughs) you think about what we've done. You've talked about metabolic circuits and leg circuits. You never use them as punishments. You Mm -hmm. use them appropriately when it's time to condition somebody and you have a lot of versions of those circuits. I think we talked about it, but the burpee gets a bad reputation because it is truly sometimes used as a punishment is even talked about that way. We don't need to cover all that here because we did a lot of that in part two for sure. So just, again, get your mind right about what you're trying to execute. And then we go right back to the science and make it fun.
0: Absolutely. Always have fun. If you're not having fun, it's not fun for the client. It's not fun for you. And it is a disaster of an hour. So, I mean, that's one thing about, you know, a a trainer's life. You have to enjoy what you're doing and your clients have to enjoy what they're doing or they're not going to come back. However, there needs to be a purpose and a rationale behind why you're having someone do what they're doing
1: absolutely yep
0: yeah all right so let's talk about phase one Marty so when you're talking about some progression examples why don't you run through this list and
1: and you know you could copy and paste this for every exercise not <laughs> just for the burpee right we're highlighting it you know for lower body yes there's a lot of things upper body some exercises you'll get most of these bullet points but this is just clearly a regression to progression you know matrix i guess you could call it or flow so when we're looking at stabilization endurance we're looking at can the body control the joint motions and keep themselves in the right ideal posture the kinetic chain checkpoints as you start to move the limbs or move around but you're you know you're working on that endurance component where those little muscles have to keep everything in the ideal positioning while you perform exercises so that's the goal of stabilization endurance So when you look at the bullet points here these aren't in any particular order like do this one first then that one but obviously body alignment so obviously we're always going to go back to the kinetic chain checkpoints then it depends on the exercise foot and hand position obviously planes of motion we generally start with the saddle plane motion because we're comfortable there so it's easier to learn that and then we move maybe move the frontal plane then a transverse plane so again you don't always have to jump right to a transverse plane so we talk about that points of contact is you know, is it two feet, two feet, two hands, again, depends on the exercise, you, you know, that will give you your base of support and, you know, create stability or lack of stability. If you're taking away some of those points of contact modalities, I call these like the fitness toys and tools, whether you use stability balls, airx pads, any of those type of other parts that uh, you see in every single day, sandbags, suspension training, kettlebells. These are all things throughout fitness that we would put under modalities. And then the speed of movement. Clearly with stabilization endurance, we're looking for slow and controlled. As we go through the model, obviously the tempos pick up. So I know Wendy, you may have a couple other key uh, takeaways from this slide.
0: No, but I think, you know, if you're going to have someone in phase one and, you know, this will go back to kind of what we talked about in our last, um, our last series, you know, the assessment is going to play a huge, huge, you know, um, it's going to be the indicator of whether somebody is ready for this. Because, again, if you see that their feet are turning out, their knees are coming in, if they have, you know, an anterior tilt or they can't lift their arms, you know, without compensation over their head, then this is not going to be something that they're ready for. And so we bring this up because we talk about the five kinetic chain checkpoints, as you said. But, you know, people think in order for it to be a very difficult exercise, I mean, a workout for a client, they need to do something like a burpee or they need to have that torture you know exercise placed within their program and i've hope I'm, I'm hoping that we're emphasizing that if you really focus on the muscles that are underactive based on their assessment a it's individualized but you're also making it super hard because you're finally getting muscles to wake back up and and reactivate the way that they are intended to work and so you don't have to put something like a burpee in just for the sake of doing that However, if they can execute it and they're still in phase one, go for it. But just make sure that, you know, their fingertips are pointed forward because oftentimes their hands are going to be slightly externally rotated. And that can cause a lot of pain sometimes and, in, in, you know, in your wrist. And then the same thing, you know, when you're thinking about when their knees come up in the drive. So, you know, they're out into kind of the, the high plank or push up position and they're bringing their knees forward. If their knees bow out or their feet turn out. Those are compensations. So just remember your queuing, remember proper execution, and then break it down to make sure. And, and I think when, when you look at the next slide, maybe that'll kind of, you know, kind of bring it back together. So if we look at the next slide, you're going to see some exercises that Marty and I both think are really good examples for phase one. Because you've got to think of a plank, you know, and, and I love the plank walk. So I'm, I have it up here all the time. But, you know, you go from a low plank to a high plank, which is like the beginning of a push up and then go back and drop. Because, again, you're actually working the muscles and in, in really getting your wrist prepared for that up and down motion. So you're working more than just your core and working more of just your sh- shoulder stabilizers. You're also think about what you're doing at the hand and wrist. Mm -hmm. Of course, the stability ball knee tucks. So what we mean by that is basically you're in a push-up position with your feet on the ball and you're doing your knee drives in. That's super important. And you need to make sure that you're overactive. Remember when we talked about having your hip flexors are usually overactive. um, If somebody has an anterior pelvic tilt, however, just because they're overactive, keep in mind that they also may be weak. And that is a very important component of a burpee. So therefore you want to make sure that you're, you're teaching the proper drive in towards the stomach um, bridge variations until we're green in the face, work your glutes, get them to activate. You need them in your, your squat. You need them to do the proper jump pattern. So any type of bridge variation that the client can do without um, compensation, of course, core musculature, huge. So anti-rotation or what people have termed the paloff press, Um, You know, those are some of our favorites and then we throw in chin retraction here I usually use it with tubing and in it's more of an activation exercise than basically working some of the core But you have to think about the neck, you know, remember cervical spine is still part of the core So making sure that you've got good alignment and you can put like a piece of tubing behind your neck and then just go into retraction So therefore you're actually having a little bit of resistance Um, you know, those are just some easy core exercises before we even get into, you know, plyo and resistance.
1: Yep. And I think people, um, you know, I don't want to say forget, but hopefully they can um, squeeze some of this in here. Like with the chin retraction, when I'm doing the bridging on the floor again, I'm why not have my client make sure that they're pushing in and again, get that as I always term the accidental exercise, even when you're doing the payoff press, make sure that chin's in the right position. So you can start to combine these exercises. You'll have other variations, Maybe instead of the stability ball, you know, knee tuck, you might do it on a suspension training. It's just the key thing is that you've broken down those components of the exercise. You've identified how you can segment those before you integrate them. You know, eventually you will integrate all of those together with the plank, with the push-up, with the knee tuck, with the squat jump and all that. It's just breaking it down piece by piece, start to move them together, and then you've got your burpee.
0: Yeah, and then remember in phase one when we're thinking about plyos, you know, or, or reactive, depending on you know how you want to term it, um, you, the most important part is the landing. And remember, it's a progression as well. And so you don't have to leave the ground if somebody has you know a bad knee valgus or their feet are externally rotated, and you're still working on that. So thinking about proper progressions and regressions for every exercise, as well as the multi-planar squats getting different, um, you know, different muscles firing and different movement patterns. And then of course, some of this stuff that's listed in the resistance, none of this is going to be shocking, but what you guys can do is you could take this and do this with your client, you know, the next time you see them and follow a four, two, one tempo, really focus on the proper five kinetic chain checkpoints. And this is a full body workout for someone, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to obviously add in a little bit of balance is going to be super important to throw in there too along with the proper warm up and cool down. And here's a program that you could do for someone that really that has a lot of compensations that really needs to activate a lot of very underactive muscles very commonly. And and it's it these are ones that you need just for a burpee. So you can see how a lot of what we're saying can go with multiple exercises, but this is also really focusing on on a ton of compensations that are very common that we've talked about for multiple weeks now
1: and you know what this this list really shows me is why people really probably hate burpees because they (laughs) haven't broken it down they haven't mastered to a certain level any of these exercises let alone sequentially and understand as you're teaching it to them the cueing so when it is time to implement the burpee that now the form of technique is not an issue they understand when they collapse to the ground you're supposed to drop to the ground that you're not gonna let your low back arch and you're not gonna do a push up, you know, where your belly button's still on the ground, because at that point, you're cueing them all the time. So then it's just check, check, check. And now when you get through these progressions, a burpee now is just a very easy exercise to teach.
0: Well yeah think about this too you know this these exercises should be done like at a 421 tempo so you know when you think about doing you know a push up with the plus or a push up with the knee tucks or like you said on a stability ball TRX any of that stuff just the push up alone or a Renegade row maintaining a proper plank that's super challenging so when you have someone do a burpee that's a little bit faster sometimes they find it so much easier <laughs> because it's it's a lot faster movement so therefore that time under tension is is easier for them because they have the proper core strength they have the proper you know stabilization um, components and the right muscles working at the right time and the right plane of motion so it's decreasing the stress to the joint
1: Yep. Absolutely. Hey, what like, you know, you know, I traveled all day yesterday into today. If I'm tired, the last thing I'd want to do is go do a stability (laughs) exercise. Give me kettlebell swings and some plyo jumps, right? Because again, when you're fatigued, you know, you really have to control ideal form and technique. If you're really focused on it, it is challenging. You're not only, you know, physiologically, but psychologically, you know, trying to make sure that you're engaged that entire time of those exercises. Like you said, burpee can almost be like a reward They've earned their right could you imagine we flip the industry around like oh please give me burpees
0: yes that would be fantastic then I think we've we've served we, we've done our part Marty we our part
1: at that point <laughs> yep
0: yeah, but you know we've talked multiple you know multiple weeks on with different exercises and this is no different when we're talking about the burpee but regressions and progressions are super super important. And, you know, if you want to work someone into a proper push up with plus, and remember the plus is to really work the serratus interior to get a flat back, to get the, the shoulder blades lying flat on the rib cage as you're, you know, as you're supposed to have, which often, many times are wingers. So people have their shoulder blades pop up. But, you know, there are ways to do a push up with a plus, put them their hands on top of a, a Smith machine you know, a bar and then lower the bar down a- until they can get, get to the floor or put your hand on a bench or if you're at home on your kitchen counter or bathroom countertop. And and the same thing goes with the burpee. And so when we talk about, you know, speed of movement, I know Marty mentioned this on another slide before, slow things down and think about when you're doing a burpee and you want to work yourself up, you can be in a high plank and then just bring one knee up at a time. Stand up, get on your tiptoes, put your hands over your head and drop back down. That's a burpee done in a very slow and controlled movement. Mm -hmm. So you're teaching the proper movement patterns with the combination of all those exercises combined. So you don't have to think the first time someone executes a burpee that it has to be the typical full explosive burpee because there are so many progressions and regressions to consider. Um, But think about the proper out of all the exercises we just showed you in phase like in the phase one uh, workout That was the on the slide before when you're thinking about those exercises. How can you make them easier? How can you make them harder and then just every time improve the patterns until they can get to the the Component where they are full-blown gravity is you know, they're on the bottom of the ground they're able to execute each component correctly because you know, at that point, then you can put them in a weight vest, you can, you know, do different things and make it harder. So don't always think we talk so much about regressions, definitely load them, you know, do do, use different uh, tools and stuff that you need to, to make them harder when they're when they're ready.
1: Yeah, it's just simply understanding the, the exercises, the mechanical advantage, disadvantage, the phases of training, and then it kind of you can reverse engineer everything so much easier when you look at it that way. I think a lot of times fitness professionals, they look at an exercise and they either do it or don't do it. They don't look at this, the the pieces of that exercise, right? Cause it's, you know, there's only seven fundamental movement patterns. So when you look at them, it's just a movement is a combination of one, two, or three of those in different planes of motion. So break it back down, figure out where the weak link is for that client. And then you know where your starting point is, and then you just progress through to that way they can work towards that, you know, more uh, demanding exercise potentially, or that higher uh, level exercise that they're hopefully going to want to accomplish.
0: Yes, and that brings us into, you know, once they've progressed, how do you know if they're ready to move on to phase two? As we say all the time, every, you know, four to six weeks, your body's going to adapt. And so at that point, you can move them into the next phases and start to think about when we're looking specifically at the burpee, like how can we make the burpee harder? But then think about all those other exercises that we just talked about in phase one. Um, You know, you've got supersets which is the typical superset that you guys are used to seeing, which is you've got a strength exercise and then you go right into a stabilization utilizing the same, um, you know, prime movers. And so, you know, when you're doing this, the stabilization, obviously you're going to get more of your synergists and everything involved. So your joints and your muscles are working and playing together nicely. Um, you've got the giant sets, which are usually like three exercises that you're doing that's mimicking the same body part. Um, so, for example, a fly um, on the cables, a push up, and a chest press. You know, so that would be something an example of the the giant set. And then, of course, pyramids and reverse pyramids. Uh, one of Marty's favorites, density, and then AMRAD.
1: AMRAD as many reps as possible. The key thing there, though, is. <laughs> when you look at i still try to blend in the phase of training right it's not like if i'm doing stabilization i'm not having to do power right it's i would use that appropriately during the phase of training so there's a lot of different ways you can do it based on the exercise so you know i do like it for power for sure you know kind of like a burnout you can kind of call it but you know the key thing is it's always still going to be back to the form and technique right let's like when we're getting people into these more challenging when i say challenging a lot of it is higher speed and more metabolic where it's easy for them to forget their kinetic chain checkpoints. Hopefully that's why they went through four to six weeks. So that way it's just ingrained, but you know, that's again, have fun, advance them, but always only advance them to the point that they can control for each phase of training, no matter what methodology you're using.
0: Yes. And then, of course, my favorite, the metabolic finishers. And exactly. I, I start utilizing these more utilizing the burpees in phases two through four because it's more repetitive motions. I mean, obviously, we're working on that when you're getting into the plyo component. So you can incorporate those as long as they're ready. However, hopefully by these phases, we've cleaned up a lot of the compensations. And so they can do this. And then think about, you know, when we talk about phases two through four, we're bringing in more strength. So it's okay now to do banded push-ups, you know, at, a, at, you know, or use weighted squats or weighted vests, you know, if you want to do just a burpee with that alone or some of these exercises. So it, that's probably the picture of the cookbook. You have all the ingredients now. It's just now, what do you want to do with them? And I think that's important because there are so many different considerations and so many different ways that you can execute just the burpee or any of those exercises.
1: Yep. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of ways to be creative. It's just, we're giving you the guidelines and just understand, you know, what you're trying to make, hence the cookbook and make sure you got, you know, the right recipe. So I'm thinking (laughs) of that friend's episode. I'm dating myself where you know which one I'm talking about, but, um, where she put meat in like a dessert, so you know there's there's a time and a place for every ingredient. Just make sure that you. I don't know if it. I
0: remember that one.
1: <laughs> you don't remember that one. <laughs> I remember the
0: pivot, but I'm not sure about that one.
1: <laughs> That's a classic. She put she put meat in like some dessert, and of course Joey ate it. You know, everyone else thought it was disgusting. Joey eats everything. <laughs> you got to watch that one now. You're gonna have to look that one up.
0: I will. I will. But, you know, here are some examples of the exercises for phases two and four. And this is not an extensive list at all, but it is some examples. And some of the ones that are my favorite are obviously the hip thrust, um, reverse crunches or knee ups, pikes. You know, I use the slide board. Our facility has a slide board. So, you know, if you're at home and you have wooden floors, just put a towel under your shoe or sock and you can do the same thing that you would do on a slide board. Um, so there are, uh, you know, ways of, of being creative. Um, and then again, when you start looking at even the, the plyo now, you're looking at the repeating squat squat jumps and, and again, the multi squat jumps, but now they're more in a repeating fashion, still focusing on form, still making sure proper execution, you're getting full hip extension. That's the big one on a squat jump. I can't express that enough. Um, because if you're doing the froggy where you're staying in a hip, flex or hip flex position, that is not right. So think about squeezing your butt up in the air, your toes are pointed and that you own that landing. And then of course, the resistance, as you can see on the left side, those are more examples of something that you can do as a superset, And so more specifically for phase two. And then when you're looking at, you know, on the right side, those are just some more strength exercises that you can add either as an alternative to some of the supersets or when you get into phases you know three and four and so you can see these this is just something that marty and i randled off just like oh okay what about a chest press oh that that's part of a burpee oh what about deadlifts oh well you need that what about an overhead press part of a burpee what about lat pull down need your lats what about you know so everything that we put in there calf raises definitely need calves you got to jump so so as you can see, because of all the body or muscles that are involved in this one exercise, one exercise, all of those body parts need to be focused on, strengthened, and ex, you know, and worked on proper movement in order to execute just the burpee long term.
1: Yeah, and I could say this is one of the exercises I rarely see done right in a fitness center. Because, <laughs> yeah. And it, it, the only reason I say that is because people just go right to it. They mm-hmm. they they wouldn't know what we know, and I understand that. But they they can't break it down and work towards progressions with it. Or when they're even doing some of these exercises, their and techniques, not reemphasizing what they would need to do. So I see a lot of people doing a lot of burpees, but you just know at some point there's going to be additional wear and tear and strain just due to the fact that they're not efficient in that movement. Mm-hmm. And you know what the funny thing is? I think every one of them hates the burpee the way they look when they get up, but
0: <laughs> well, you know, what's crazy is I have um, some, some of my athletes, you know, we've worked on, on some of these. And that's why when I look at these exercises, it kind of makes me chuckle um, because when, You've got to think of different sports and different sports there have to change, obviously, positions. And so being able to be on the ground and stand up and and jump and move into all different planes. So when they get to these higher level of phases and they are increasing their strength, I mean, I've had people wear a weighted, you know, weight vest. So they've got their vest on. They go into the burpee with the push-up. So as they kind of do the ply-up, they go go from a plyo into the squat jump. So they get into that position. When they jump up, they grab the bar, they do a a pull-up, they land it and go right back down into their plyo uh, push-up. And so, so there are a lot of strength components that make it very difficult. And we do it in a repetitive movement. But again, it's only you're only as limited as you are creative, but Mm -hmm. it has to make sense. And so for positional players in different sports, that makes sense for some people, it would not make sense specifically for someone maybe that played golf, you know, like, why would I do that for my golfer when, you know, I need to work on flexibility, rotation, core strength, those type of things. And so it has to make sense, but you can have fun with it. And of course, people see these done executed, like executed correctly. And they're like, wow, that was amazing. And he's like, yeah, I owned it, you know, but but it took us a while to get there. It wasn't something on day one where like, hey, let's wait you and then see what you have just because you have a, a, an amazing vertical doesn't mean anything. Because if you don't land it correctly, is it isn't really a good exercise? And it's not. And so when you,
1: when you look at this again, you always make me go off into a tangent. But <laughs> when you look at the players that a lot of people might train high school through whatever or even youth, you know, think of how much does the football equipment weigh for these athletes? Mm-hmm. And they are running and jumping and landing, you know, with load on. So why would you want to not do that in a controlled manner? But then also think about our fire rescue and police, Mm -hmm. right? Our uh, amazing policemen and women, you know, they're running in, you know, boots and all that gear and doing all kinds of uh, chaotic things at at some point in their uh, career and fire rescue. So, you know, you have to break that down to like, this could be a very important exercise, especially working towards a more perfect burpee under load for certain careers as well. So, you know, I think that's why we wanted to make sure we talked about burpees because they definitely have a place.
0: Very good points.
1: I try once, (laughs) once a round table, if I get one,
0: (laughs) you get one. And then of course it brings us to phase five. And so, you know, I don't think any of these are going to be like earth shattering, but you know, with core, you've got your crunches with med ball throws your med ball squat to overhead throws, your soccer throws, all components of a burpee, as well as now we're doing explosive squat jumps and tuck jumps. You can do more mountain climbers. You can do them repeating. You can do them explosively, whatever it is that you need. And then here are just kind of, instead of putting, you know, here are your strength and here's your power. Here are just some examples under the resistance part that you could use paired with the strength exercises we talked about before as some ideas on a phase five like the power component. So, so no, we didn't forget to put in the strength. We just wanted you guys to be creative and here are some of, you know, the, cause we didn't want to like just boggle you down with every exercise we could think of, but you know, you take anything that that's strength, do one to five repetitions and then go into, to, you know, any of these exercises and it's going to be a very challenging phase five exercise program. So again, if someone is in phase five and you want to put them through a challenging exercise workout, there's no compensation and they can do this. Stick a strength in there. This could be a very hard vertical load workout or just think these are all components that are gonna get someone to a very, very well executed burpee ex- done explosively and um, they should be able to execute it correctly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, it's you know things that you're seeing all the time. It's just how do you utilize these little ingredients to make the recipe that you want. So that's where sometimes I think people try to get over creative because they don't know how to use what they already know in different manners to get a different outcome. So that's why when we put these together, it's like we just kept with the hardcore basics. There's plenty more options, but sometimes I think trainers try to stretch for things and they don't follow a flow to it That, that makes sense for what the final goal is.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, and if you don't want to ever do a burpee, then that's fine. But just now you guys should be very confident in knowing why, why did we bring this up? And it's because, you know, it it can be a, a great, a great exercise put together but if you break it up you're doing this in the gym already and so i think it was just like oh here's your aha moment like did you know that when you do this 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 and this that's actually a burpee now put it together
1: so (laughs) one thing wendy with this uh his feet are a little turned out i noticed (laughs) well Mm -hmm. you know it's got good extension though the hips though so
0: i'm a little worried about his eyes going in different directions too he needs to work on some recovery i think but uh
1: (laughs) Uh, too long. Yes, <laughs>
0: definitely. And he's got instead of his uh, chin being very forward, we've got way more um, cervical extension going on. Exactly. So it's interesting, but you know, important trainer tips. And Marty and I will say this probably every webinar. We will say this until the cows come home. But never ever sacrifice your form for a number. Don't use it as a punishment. Don't make people. Don't have a negative spin on the burpee because. If you're giving that a negative spin, then you need to give the same thing for a squat, same thing for a push-up, same thing for an overhead press, same thing for planks. You know, because they're all components of it. So you know, make burpees fun. But if you see someone executing any exercise, no matter what it is, and their form cannot maintain proper five kinetic chain checkpoints, then you need to go into a regressed version of whatever it is that you're doing, and and uh, make sure. I will say this too, program, program, program your brain. Good information in, good information out. I will say that all the time as well because it is very important.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's going to come down to the same same things we talk about every week. (laughs) no shocker. It's just how do you use it to, you know, to justify what you're trying to do in the gym. So, you know, I think those are the four key points that we could talk about almost for every single topic that we have. But when I think it's important to know that Greg clearly understood my friend's reference, he had it in the chat. So yeah. <laughs> you're, you have to go watch, you know, Google that tonight.
0: I will. I will. But I mean, as you mentioned, Marty too, with all the, you know, these four points, Spend some time listening, especially to our last series, because know your coaching cues. I think that is going to be very important, especially when you get to the program design piece. You have to make sure you're very clear and that your client understands what you mean when you say blank. Whatever that blank is, make sure in day one that you say hey, when I say this, this is what I mean. So there's always very open communication that will help with your business, that will help with your rapport, that's gonna help the client reach their goal, that's gonna decrease injury and pain. And it's also going to make you more successful as a trainer because people don't have to say, I don't know what you mean, I don't know what you mean, and then get frustrated. And then of course, vertical versus horizontal loading, this is just a recap. When we say vertical, we just mean you're going from one exercise to another, to another, to another. You can include rest if needed, but you're just going down the template. Horizontal is when you do, let's say a chest press, you take a break, a chest press, you take a break and you do that for the amount of sets and reps and then pause and rest when needed. That's super important. We always think that we have to quote crush our clients and you've got to get out of that mindset because you want to focus on proper movement mechanics in order to be successful and help a client truly move, feel and perform better
1: absolutely it, it, and he, you know I, the hard concept i think for people to understand and sometimes it's the trainer sometimes it's even the client is if you're progressing properly if you're going through the model properly and making the right progressions and when you need to maybe little regressions and you're doing your proper warm up and then the proper cool down and recovery you should never really be sore you know you shouldn't be like you know where you can't walk in the next day it doesn't mean you're not fatigued but you know i always say you walk out fatigued come back refreshed so I think that kind of blows people's minds that that is the most efficient way to work out is to hit fatigue appropriately. And then, but when you come back, you're still ready to go the next day. And this is where, when you have a system follow these flows that we gave you push people through at the, at the right time, none of these exercises have to be that that are looked upon as, Oh, I have that to do today. It's going to be horrible. No, if that is happening, that person's not ready, whether it's the trainer just misunderstood or doesn't have a concept to follow or the client, you know, obviously they're responsible for some things on their own with the recovery and the rest and the hydration and nutrition. But, you know, that's where we we're really wanted to go after an exercise like a burpee that I think is just, everyone thinks it's just, there's no way to make it easier and it's not supposed to be easy, but you could be efficient in the exercise.
0: hmm Yeah, and you are adding, like we said in the very beginning about the said principle, you are adding mechanical stress, neuromuscular stress, mm-hmm. conditioning, you know, or metabolic stress and the conditioning compa- component. So it is going to be challenging. And so in phase one, people often are more sore because you're activating underactive muscles. But to Marty's point, if somebody can't walk for two or three days, and they don't want to come back to the gym, is it even worth it? And the answer is no, like, because you want them to be successful. You want them to know they worked out very important to know that they worked out because they may feel it but you don't want to make them so miserable they don't want to ever come back because that says a lot about your exercise selection too.
1: Exactly, like you're not going to have that type of soreness from glute bridges. I hope, unless <laughs> they're loaded or you know. But yeah, get the point.
0: So and our key takeaways, I think you know we 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 will always always ask you what is the purpose of an exercise. Have a rationale. You know, why do I have to do this? I don't like to do this. What's the purpose of this? And you, you really want to be able to answer that question in a very professional manner because people don't like to do balance exercises. People don't like to hold the squat at the bottom and, and fix their movement patterns. People don't like to do a 4-2-1 up, And it's because it's hard. And so, you know, but always have a rationale for the reasons that you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Know the muscles that you're targeting. You know, uh, why are you having someone do a squat? Well, okay, you know, hopefully you're saying because the prime movers are your quads and your glutes and you're working on prop, you know, really trying to flex and extend your hips and get the right muscles firing and work on neutral alignment, you know, so really focus on prime movers, know what you're targeting, know the purpose of it, always, always make sure that, you know, when you're, especially when you're executing a burpee, that you've got the proper setup and movement patterns um, because you only are setting them up for success. If they start to deviate from, you know, from an exercise, um, you know, their form starts to go south and you don't correct it, then then that's you're not helping them. If anything, you're going to be regressing them long term. As we've said multiple times, progress and regress any exercise as needed. Safety always first. So for those of you guys out there that are like, I think it's horrible. It's awful for my client's joints. You know, my clients can't handle it. It's not safe. It can be safe if you program it correctly. If -hmm. you don't feel like it's safe and it's not appropriate for that client, then don't do it. Mm -hmm. However, realize that you shouldn't have that mindset for everyone because it could be beneficial for some, but not all. And lastly, have fun with it. Keep things positive. Always enjoy your time with your clients because you might be that one hour and that one hour of their day is the best part of their day yeah. because they get to throw all their frustrations out. That They may be telling you all kinds of stories of things that have aggravated them. You're there to listen. You're there to program and you're there to execute to help that client get to their goals.
1: Yeah. So, and the only thing I could say is um, I was thinking this as you were talking is these points are spectacular and you address them so well, but like, it goes back to when I talk to people that are newer to fitness, family members, you know, it comes down to having a system, right? So I'm blessed. I know Wendy would feel the same that we were, we learned the OPT model, the NASM system very early. And now we continue to understand how we can manipulate it, change it up, but still stick with the system. And if you have that and you do everything that we've talked about um, over all the different uh, roundtables and different topics, it becomes very easy to see what you're trying to accomplish and have a game plan because you're never really making decisions on your own. You're like, okay, how does this fall back into the system? How does this fall back into place in the model the progressions, the regression? So that's why we love to reiterate these points every time because more and more times you hear it and the more and more times that you go out and practice those systems the opt model will come to life to you like it has for wendy and i over the last 15 plus years teaching it and then obviously our previous experience when we were working with it as we started to learn it
0: Mm -hmm. we've all been there and it took someone teaching us and hopefully we can be those teachers as well that's why we love what we do so um Mm -hmm. yeah well, this was fun and yeah. you know and I like we never knew that we could spend 3 hours talking about burpees but here you have it.
1: <laughs> and we and we condensed it. We could have spent more. I
0: know. I know. So, you know, if you guys have any questions, you can always always reach out to Marty and I, but my contact information as you're going to be able to see here shortly on the screen is if you want to find me on Instagram, it's wendybats 13 You can email me directly at wendy.bats at nasm.org if you have any questions. And my shameless plug, you guys can also join Ken Miller and I. We do a podcast called Random Fit, and we talk about all kinds of random stuff um, in the fitness industries. So hopefully you guys will download it, join us, um, and listen to some of our other random topics that are not so in-depth like these, but more kind of fun and a little more (laughs) lighthearted.
1: Right. Excellent. Thank you. And then my information will pop up here. You can see my Instagram there, dr.martymiller72. Then my email, marty.miller, nesm.org And if you guys have ideas on stuff that you'd like Wendy and I to cover, don't be afraid to, to throw that into the email. And then you can also find me on my weekly coffee talk. You'll see it right there on Instagram live at generally is Tuesdays at 9 30 but on occasion it may pop up on a different day so but you'll see it pop up and then you can go through there and honestly there I'm just there to answer questions as you guys bring them in to me so we're there just to hang out with you so Wendy thank you so much for going through the last three weeks on burpees and Greg amazing job as always producing so thank you guys so much for attending and if this was the first one you caught make sure you go back and watch the other two and it'll all come together for you